Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Here we are back at the boot camp, back at it again, Bob, rolling into another episode, keeping the train running, even if you are a part-timer on me. Well, come on. And we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna we're gonna keep going. I'll just carry all the weight. I'll do all the work. Don't worry about it, Bob. <laughs> Jimbo, you are more than qualified, and I'm I'm really excited that you are stepping into that role. We did introduce my transition last episode and I was able to uh, share that on social media. Had a lot of good comments and connections with with folks, and we spent some time in Atlanta for the summit. The Replant Summit was great, and our team got to meet uh, the new contractors. And so it has been a, a whirlwind weekend. And I think Kyle infected most of the team and tried to kill him again with some kind of COVID thing. Yeah, a handful of us seem to have a much milder version. Nobody's got stuck in a hotel for two weeks this time. Mm. Mm-hmm. But I think a few of us did come back with some sort of congestion, head cold type thing. So, but we survived. We're good. We're moving forward. You know, we we mentioned last week that you would be leaving the replant team, head to three one three. We did not mention in the podcast that I would be stepping into the role of associate director. I wanted to make sure it was official. Official. You never know how things go once corporate gets involved. <laughs> and so, you want to know how I learned? Like officially, official. Like for real, this was it. Actually happened. I am now the associate director was when I got I got an expense report request and and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's the real deal now. It's it's official official." So, moving forward, I think for this last month we get to like hold hands and be associate directors together. Mm-hmm. And then you move on to 313 and hopefully I see a different version of the LSU Tigers when it comes to the Battle of the Boot than I did see opening weekend. It hit me, Bob, that's three years in a row that my Tigers have disappointed me on the opening game. Well, they're slow starters, Jimbo, but it seems like they always get wound up by the time they play the Razorbacks. So I'm not very hopeful at this point. <laughs> well, it's always a game. It's always a fun game whenever it happens. Indeed. So we'll see. In Oklahoma, we'll be bringing some gear with us and see who has to wear the other team's gear. Yes, it's the hog hat or the pajama top and... I'm uh, shining up the hog hat and uh, putting it in an extra suitcase, and I'm pretty pumped that you're going to potentially be wearing that in Oklahoma. I think that's very appropriate. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking of you and your your exit, we have brought on the man who stole you away from me. We've got... (laughs) We've got we've got Brennan on the podcast, and a fun little fact for everybody is Brennan and I, and I have like a six degrees of Kevin Bacon connection that goes back quite a ways. Early on in my marriage with Audria, we've been married nineteen, a little over nineteen years now, and so it was right after we got married, so it was about nineteen years ago. My wife worked for what was at the time the largest eBay clothing retailer in the in the world, I think. And it was at a run out of a warehouse in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And Brennan, I think it was your father-in-law that was her boss at that time. That's correct. Yeah, I think we found that out one night whenever I was getting to know Bob and he was telling me about what you guys do together. And yeah, this the, the rabbit trail kept going and we realized, yeah, Andrew Waits used to employ your wife. So small world. 
Yeah, she enjoyed that. It was hard on her back, but because it was a lot of a lot of box lifting. But she always remembers one of the things he said was he was having some employees that struggled with motivation. And he gave this motivational speech to everybody about how everybody's here should be here because they want to be. It may be that you're competitive and you want to be really good at your job, or it may just be that you really want a paycheck. But if you can't find a reason that you want to be here, you probably need to go somewhere else. Hey, that's a good speech. That's a good speech. Well, let, let your wife know that they have a forklift now. So Okay. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah. They have a forklift now. That's good to know. Yeah. So she needs to step back in. Yeah. So she didn't have to do all the box lifting. You bet. <laughs> hey, the other fun story I thought it'd be fun to share just as we get started, Bob, is you were telling me about as you and Brennan were getting to know each other, you guys had quite an adventure that, I mean, it almost ended your life. Like you know, he, almost, <laughs> he, he almost killed you. I think for a couple of years, I was pretty fragile uh, with COVID, you know, about dying and then uh, this experience. But no, I mean, a mutual acquaintance, Jason Rombo, the pastor of Eastland Baptist Church and now Hope Church in East Nashville, introduced me to Brennan and Brennan told me a story. And I was like, man, we have to get Brennan to come and talk at our AMS lab to tell about his story with 313. And so it was great. We were talking. He said, hey, I want you to come down and see what we're doing. And so he invited me down and... We toured the sites. We spent some time together. And then uh, Brennan has this cabin that's his father-in-law has this cabin and they go out there and that's a good place for him to think. And so he said, uh, why don't we go to the cabin and uh, just spend some time. We can talk. And it's just great, great to get out of the city. So we we roll out there. It's a hot day, Jimbo. And I'm, I've got my replant boot camp boots on, jeans and my replant shirt, boot camp shirt. And I'm not geared up, but Brendan says, let's go floating. And it had been raining out there in the east side of Nashville. River was beautiful. The water was cool. Took my boots off, rolled up my my jeans, got on my my uh, baseball hat, and off we started. And we went right into uh, a strainer. But the but but one of the key points was that Brendan said that this kayak that we're going to be on is unsinkable. You can't tip it over. It's awesome. It's great. And so I'm trusting. Just like, just like the Titanic. Yeah, there <laughs> you go. <laughs> I think we had life jackets near us. Not on. You know how you do sometimes. <laughs> and the water's very deep and all that kind of stuff. So we hit this We hit this strainer. And Jimbo, I'm a, I'm a little, I'm not super tall, but I'm a taller guy. And I have zero center of gravity for <laughs> skateboarding, surfing and apparently kayak balancing. And we hit this we hit this strainer. And the next thing I know, I see my feet over my head and I am in the drink. And then we are fighting for our lives. And it was quite, quite an adventure. My hat's gone. I'm soaked. I'm swimming in jeans. I'm cutting my feet on the bottom of the, the stream because it's, it's rocked. So we jokingly say that Brennan tried to kill me out at the cabin when we were just out there getting getting to know each other. Well, that's really just the formal interview process at 313. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. After Bob survived that, I decided I like this guy. And, yeah, it was only a matter of time. So that's what I was thinking. I was thinking this, this is probably just something he does with everybody he's thinking about hiring. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's like a team building exercise, trust building. And, uh, it's the interview that some people don't come back from, exactly. apparently. <laughs> there is a graveyard nearby, but, uh, you know, the, uh, the yeah, the, the reality is we actually was in October. It just was like an abnormally warm day in October. So there was oh, yeah. no plan. Yeah. And, and this unsinkable kayak, I didn't realize I had a plug taken out of it. You know, that makes just a ticking time bomb floating down the river. But... But no, at that point, it wasn't an interview, but that was the start of a, of a relationship where, 
you know, got to really know Bob and respect him in a lot of different ways. And, you know, as we continue to, you know, grow what we're doing, you know, just beyond blessed that Bob would be willing to come on yet another adventure, you know, with us. And, you know, really excited about where we're going with that and excited to have you started. Sorry to steal them from you, Jimbo. Well, I will forgive you eventually. It'll take a little while, but we'll just take, we'll just take you flooding. Yeah. (laughs) I'll come prepared. Yeah. I'll come prepared. Yeah. (laughs) Well, man, tell us just a little bit about yourself and about 313 and how that came to be. Yeah, happy to. Well, I'm from Nashville, born and raised here. I I married a a girl from Hattiesburg, Mississippi named Lily. We've got a two-year-old and we've got another little one on the way here in about a month. So excited to keep growing the family. But 313 started back five years ago whenever I was in church one day looking around the building really distracted from the sermon. And I was in between endeavors. I've been looking at buying a building, turning it into a co-working space. And I thought this would be a a great thing for me to spend some time on until I get hit with, you know, an idea or an opportunity that allows me to use my gifts, talents, pleasures to impact, not pleasures, allows me to use my gifts, talents, and treasures to impact the kingdom. And I just was thinking about doing that already. Then I got distracted in church, looking around and started to think, why can't I do this inside of a church? You know, they sit empty for the most part, 313 days a year. You know, could we do this in a way that draws people inside that may never enter on a Sunday, create opportunities for connections and collisions? But could we also do this in a way that provides financial sustainability uh, to the church, which is something that's near and dear to my heart. So that's where the, the journey began five years ago. And, you know, it's been a journey that has been continuing to ever unfold. So yeah, that's the, that's the short story of it. So Brendan, when you had this idea, you began to test it out and you began to get some feedback. Tell me what the response responses were when you began to float this idea to pastors or leaders of a local church. Yeah, I got overwhelming feedback that there is a desire. There's a supply, you could call it, you know, on space that's available, but you know, the real gap that I saw was, you know, the desire and the rec- recognizing the need, but then what do we do with it? And so that's where I realized, you know, what, where I started to formulate, you know, what would it take in order to make this happen? So when I hired a branding firm and I went out and I met a pastor that said, we've been praying about this, you can do it tomorrow if you want to. And then I had to really had to decide, you know, whether or not I was going to, you know, commit my time to it. And so, Yeah. We decided to go for it. Felt like the Lord said, go for it, because what else was I doing with my time? And really, he continued just to open door after door, you know, and people started to show up. And we realized that we could make people feel comfortable inside of a church, whether they feel comfortable inside of a church on Sunday or not, and break down some of those barriers, you know, that may have existed otherwise. What have been some of the success stories? I mean, how many, so how many churches have you done this with so far? And what have been kind of the what's been the impact on the church and the feedback you've gotten, not just from the concept, but actually being executed in these churches? Yeah. So we've done it with five different churches. You know, we've done co-working, we do event space, and now we've recently launched a coffee endeavor called Surefire. But, you know, the thing that makes me most excited is whenever I hear the stories of what I call collisions. And so that's whenever somebody who wasn't seeking a church or didn't expect for them to make a meaningful relationship with, you know, someone that goes to that church or a staff member 
you know, whenever those things take place, you know, the, to me, that's, that's the highlight, you know, of it all. So I could list out a lot of them, but, you know, one would be, you know, there's a guy named Brian. He started going to work at a 313 location. Next thing you know, his coworker gets baptized there. He starts becoming, you know, in their deacon and training program, you know, and, and there's, there's probably about another hundred stories like that, but the ones where, you know, there's meaningful life change that at the end of the day is, you know, what it's all about, you know, whenever someone, you know, has made a disciple that wasn't searching for it already, you know, that's, that's what really gets me, you know, excited at the end of the day. There's a financial component too, which is also exciting to see, you know, a church that wasn't able to take care of certain things inside of their building or, you know, had a staff position once they were wanting to hire, you know, those are also, you know, great wins too, but the life changes are the, you know, by and large, the most meaningful. Brendan, some of the the challenges for the local church is trying to consider how how do we use this facility that we have, this asset that we have, how do we steward it well? What are some of the characteristics of an ideal candidate church that partners with 313? Yeah, so there's a lot of different factors. You know, first thing that we look for are churches that are missionally aligned. You have to be willing to open up your front door to the community because whenever people come in, if you're going to view those as inconveniences, uh, then there's going to be a lot of friction there. You know, if your desire is to have those collisions and that's the DNA of your church, you know, that's really, you know, the first key step to having a winning relationship and a great opportunity together. From a practical standpoint, not every church has the right property zoning to accommodate multi-purpose use. So almost any property district or, you know, region will have uh, a special exemption where a church can go into a residential area, an industrial area, any type of area. Uh, but whenever you start layering an additional use in, it's important that it is also zoned for that because that exception doesn't always apply, especially you know when it comes to residential areas. So when a church is looking at whether it's a good fit for them to do 313 or something else, those don't even really matter because uh, it can just create you know guardrails for the uh, amount of creativity that you're able to to have on site. So two follow-up questions for you. One, uh, do you think, as you guys have added coffee to this, that you could help me finally turn Bob Bickford into a coffee drinker? <laughs> and, and then two, how, how does the church figure out their zoning and what they're able to do? I know there's a super connected, and so you'll be able to do that real smoothly. <laughs> Yeah, super connected for sure. Yeah, I think I'm going to turn Bob Bickford into a coffee drinker is the short answer because the reality is I've had to become a coffee drinker. To me, one of the most you know meaningful parts of the coffee operation is the connection that takes place across the counter and the ability to do that at a higher volume, touch more people in the community. Um, and so, you know, being around that environment and appreciating, you know, that part, which is a really a key driver. I know Bob is, you know, someone that strives for success in all things. So I know that he, if he's going to be the co- around coffee, he's going to want to know what's good is like, and so he's going to be dipping his toe probably in the into uh, into that bin a little bit. So you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll like smooth them in with some mochas, and then like we'll yep. gradually get them, yep. you know, just drinking shots. So excellent. Yeah, excellent. I think the, I'm on board with the shots because it's just a small amount of coffee, and I could just knock it back and have it over with. So, just, just yeah, so, <laughs> we'll get you. We'll get you to where you're craving this. So, oh, 
But uh, the other question was, how does a church determine their zoning? Is that, is that yeah? So, so if, if a church, if a pastor's hearing this and he's going, "Hey, man, this might be a way that we could one engage the community to create an income stream or or supplement," you know, but obviously zoning becomes really important in that. So, I I, I would guess the large majority of pastors that listen to this podcast or just pastors in general, when they hear that, go, "Man, I have no idea how to figure out." if we're zoned, like, I don't even know what I would do to figure out if we're zoned correctly for that. Yeah. That's, that's something that we always offer to help churches look up at any time. So we can share a link uh, that if you want to, you know, throw it in the description that we can help the church figure out how to do that. But, you know, it's really knowing how to navigate whatever your local zoning ordinances are and, you know, decipher, you know, where your property hits on a map and then the fall-on effects from that. So, you know, a good way to also just, without going into, you know, far and deep research is if you look around, you know, outside your building, you know, if you're next door to, you know, a commercial building, the likelihood that your building is also zoned commercial is probably high. If you're surrounded by houses, then most likely you might be zoned residential. There's exceptions for both, uh, but that's like a really easy, you know, at a, at a surface level. Uh, way to you know, give them an idea. Brennan, as you look in the horizon and you think about the next several years of the local church in the ministry, why does a partnership with a company like 313 begin to make sense for a local congregation? Yeah, I think we have things that we focus on that we try to do really well, and that is reach you know people in the community from a ministry of marketplace, you know, tables and chairs sitting across from each other. And with that comes a lot of operational requirements that, you know, is what we really focus on as our ministry. And we want to enable the church to participate in that and be a lead in that, but to have, be able to focus on what they do best, which is this ministry relationship building, you know, formation, discipleship. So the value that we add is coming alongside as a partner in the endeavor and taking care of those operational needs so that that ministry can take place. That's one of the things I love about what you guys do, because I think obviously this model is something that uh, provided your zoning is right and those sorts of things. Any church in any location could start to explore how to do. But without a partner like 313, there becomes a pretty large amount of operational stuff that now has to sit on the on somebody's mind, probably the pastor as he's dealing with that. And so I love that you guys take care of that for those that you're able to service. So, so again, two questions for you. One is where, like, so if you guys are looking to do this and other opportunities, where are, where are you looking to do that? So if if we have listeners in those areas, they can know they need to reach out to you. And then the follow-up to that would be for pastors that are not in those areas. What are, what's some advice if, if they think, you know, how could I find a partner or, or start to do something or just think through ways to approach engaging my community as in, in this way? What advice would you have for them? So first, for those that would be in your area and then two for those that wouldn't. Yeah, well, obviously we're in Nashville currently, but we're thankful to have Bob on our team. And that's a strategic addition as we expand the markets beyond Nashville. So we're actively you know, working on expanding into the Atlanta area. And then there's a few other top cities that are right behind it. So right now we're in a wait list building mode. And then for churches that maybe aren't in a major 
a city center, you know, if you're a more rural congregation, you know, I would encourage any church to look at what your what your building ha- has, you know, view it as an asset, not a burden, you know, understand what your zoning is. And while you may not be able to do co-working office space or a coffee shop, you know, there may be other things that you can do, whether it's, you know, hosting a farmer's market, you know, or a community center or hosting another, you know, church plant to be on site. You know, the, uh, the building, you know, that you have has the opportunity to be a great asset. You know, I think in, in dreaming, even if it's within tighter guide rail or uh, guardrails, you know, it's important to do and thinking how you can best position it, you know, from a long-term sustainability standpoint. So Brendan, as you have launched this company, it's been five years old now, what are some of the things that um, you see now that you you maybe barely saw or didn't see as you were visioning, dreaming in that church service? What What are some cool things that have come into reality for you that have just kind of captured your heart and your passion still to this day? Yeah, I think whenever I I first envisioned it, I I envisioned just a couple of people that would be, you know, sitting around some, you know, nice tables with access to some coffee, you know, in in really a a small scale, you know, operation. But what's been really cool is to, to see companies that have come into the space, you know, they've obviously, you know, made connections, you know, with the, local congregation, but, you know, seeing them grow and them continue to, you know, blossom and, you know, outgrow, you know, a whole new facility that they had to move to after 313 and, you know, see their success stories, you know, see opportunities for people that are in the church, then maybe they aren't on staff, but they're able to plug in to what's happening on site throughout the week. And while they might be an accountant, you know, Monday through Friday, they're able to work out of that spot and view it as a gospel outpost, you know, to make connections with other folks. You know, the addition of coffee, you know, in our first couple months of being open, you know, we we noticed that, you know, that walk-up window creates over 2,000 interactions with unique people a month. That's just a scale of interactions that I hadn't even thought about was possible whenever we were first thinking about this idea. So um, those are things that are, you know, are exciting to me and really encouraging me to, you know, keep pushing forward with what we're doing. I love it. We're going to put a link in the show notes to where people can see more. Bob shared it on his Facebook when he announced that he'd be heading to 313. And if nothing else, they can connect with you guys and just learn a little more about how to explore these ideas, even if they're not in Nashville or Atlanta or get on a wait list for one of the other cities. I think you guys have some great wisdom for them to to gather from either way. And so this comes out right as we have finished Revive Birmingham. And so you got two more chances to to catch Bob. Officially, part of the Replant team will be in Nashville, which will be his new home soon for Replant Middle Tennessee. And then we'll be in Oklahoma, Tulsa, and Oklahoma City as he wraps up his Replant farewell tour. And so we're grateful to have him. Grateful to have you on the podcast today, Brennan. Appreciate you coming. And if you invite me out to float with you, I'm going to come very prepared. You'll have a ticket, <laughs> ticket in your inbox here, Sam. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good one. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, 
and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.